hope you guys were encouraged by her video. Um, let's pray together before we start this seminar. Lord God, I thank you for this day. And Father, I thank you that in the midst of tests and studying, Lord God, that these students know the importance of getting wisdom, Lord, of equipping, Father God, before they return home. And Father, I thank you that it's not just about um, natural knowledge, it's not just about understanding with the mind, but getting in the spirit, Lord God, the truths that you want to establish tonight. And so, Father, I just declare that every eye is open, every ear is open in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that it's impossible for these students to fail, that God, they are carriers of the fire that um, you've poured out into them already. And so, Father, um, let this be a night of just revealing what's already inside of them and sending off our students in joy. We love you, God. Holy Spirit, come and have your way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Did everybody get a handout? If you don't have one yet, please raise your hand, and then um, the staff will get one to you. All right, the title of this seminar is Returning to Your Jerusalems. And Teresa, could you please read the learning objectives for us? This lesson is designed to equip you to walk out the great news you experienced in Emmaus and carry what you've received in Emmaus back to All right, so as you guys know, part of Emmaus Campus Ministry is um, walking on a road you're encountering Jesus, you get a revelation of who Christ really is, that Christ is not just some man in history, but he's a, a real living God. He burns your heart, and then um, the disciples, after they encounter the Lord, what do they do? Anyone remember? After that road, that walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, what did the disciples do after that heart-burning encounter? They went home. Yeah, Joseph, you say that they went home. They returned back to their Jerusalem. They returned back to their homes. And so part of Emmaus is it's equipping students to go back to their Jerusalem and proclaim all that God had done in them. And so as you guys can see, Luke 24, 31 through 34 has that verse. It's basically what you guys are being sent out to do. You're not just going home um, as a changed person, but you're going home with that, that life-changing revelation inside of you already. And so let's jump into it. The first point is prayer. Uh, can I have Dana please read the first sentence? Yes, pray for your Jerusalems. Pray for your Jerusalems. I think that um, one of the biggest things I learned while in Korea was prayer is powerful. Prayer is important. And as you guys know from Eunice's prayer team this semester, prayer can change lives. Prayer can stir up our hearts. Prayer can take us from a place of being completely lukewarm to a place of really burning with the things on God's heart. And in the same way, prepare for home by praying. Pray for your Jerusalems. Uh, B, and can I have Stephen read sentence B? Before. Yeah, that's right. The Lord goes before you. He goes with you and he also goes after you. And so before you even go back home, wherever your home is, he's already going before you. He's sending the Holy Spirit to already prepare your family, prepare your friends, prepare your college, prepare a church for you. Everything has already been uh, set up for you. You have to know that the Holy Spirit will go before you. He also goes with you and he will also go after you. And so know that God is already um, preparing a, a place for you to walk when you return home. And C, could I have Marie Suazo please read? 
favor. Yes. Part of New Philly's, uh, the new in New Philly is from Revelation 3.8, that the Lord will open up doors that no man can shut. And in the same way, you guys can claim that for yourselves, that God is going to supernaturally open up doors, that the favor of the Lord will be like a shield around you. Things that wouldn't naturally be able to happen for you, God will orchestrate in advance for you. Um, and D, could I please have Randy read it? Get a vision. Get a vision. Expectantly. Bold. Specific. Did everyone get that? Get a vision for your Jerusalem and pray expectantly with bold and specific prayers. I think that those of you on prayer team know, um, Eunice taught you guys, when you pray, you need to get a picture in your mind. You need to ask the Lord's heart, and then you need to picture what his heart is, right? In the same way, if you want to see your best friend get saved, you need to picture them coming to the Lord. If you want to see speaking opportunities, you need to picture yourself standing up there and sharing your testimony. Picture what you want to see happen back home and pray into it. Pray expectantly. Pray not just like, Lord, uh, if it's your will, then maybe. Could I please possibly like you don't have to do it that way god wants you to pray bold specific prayers and expect that it's going to happen um sample prayer could i please have sarasa read the sample prayer with boldness All right. Okay, who wants that to be something they see when they get home? Okay, that's good. So pray that. Pray that prayer. Pray more. Whatever you want to see back home, pray it. Pray it expectantly. Pastor Aaron, do you have anything to add to that? Praying for your Jerusalem? All right. Okay, so um, before I left for America, when I first received the gift of tongues, I was going crazy with it. So I was sitting in the dorms, and I was just like, uh, someone else received the gift of tongues soon around the same time. So she would just come to my room, and we'd sit on my bed, and we'd just pray in tongues together for a really long time. And then we're like, what do we do? And it was finals time, and so we just went around knocking on people's doors, and we're like, can we pray for you? And then we just sit down on their bed and pray in tongues. And we didn't even know what we are doing. We're just having fun, you know? But then as I was developing my prayer life... um, one thing that kept coming up was God kept putting my old roommate, uh, Marie Sugaya, on my heart. And she's a Japanese exchange student to Missouri State University. And she was my roommate before I came to Korea. We really got along well because I don't really know why. She, we're both Asian. Other than that, I don't know what we had in common. But um, <clears throat> we were great roommates, but we never talked about God. I wasn't really walking with the Lord. I was a very religious, legalistic Christian. Um, if I was one, but I wasn't sure. Right. And then, um, so I think we had a very chill relationship. And, um, when I was in Korea and God changed my heart, suddenly I started getting visions for her. My heart started burning when I thought of her. And then God was just like, pray for her salvation, pray for her to come to me. And I was like, Lord, Mari's Japanese. She would never, and she has talked to me about religion and her attitude towards Christians before. She would never, ever, ever become a believer. Why would I pray this prayer? But continually, every time I I came before the Lord, he put her on my heart. So I prayed those prayers. And then um, on top of that, God also started, it's when I forgave my father, right? My semester in Korea. God started giving me a specific prayer to pray for my dad. It was pray that I send him someone to minister to him. 
And I was like, Lord, he's like in Thailand. He's on drugs. Like, what the heck? You know, he's not hanging out with people that are Christians. How is that going to happen? But that was a specific prayer. And I prayed that same prayer for two and a half years. I didn't pray anything else for my dad other than, Lord, I know that someone is um, being sent to him that's going to minister to him. Both of those things happened. It took a little time, three months for Mari to become a Christian, but it wasn't me striving. It wasn't me preaching at her. It was the Holy Spirit doing it. But the prayers went before. God went before. God prepared her heart before. It was three months of living together. Very like, it was just living in a house, going to class, but the Holy Spirit was moving supernaturally in her life and she became a Christian. And it's because the Holy Spirit was already sent out with those prayers all throughout the semester. If you haven't been praying those prayers, it's okay. Pray now. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for open doors in church. Um, they really make a difference. And so step one, pray. Uh, next is you guys can go out knowing that you have everything that you need. Um, whether you were part of a maze from rush week or whether you joined about two weeks ago, know that you have everything. You have all things. If you know the Lord and if you're in his word and you're, and you're in this community, you need to know that there's incomparably great power that's inside of you. It's all a matter of just revealing what's already in you. You have everything. And so let's look at A. And can I have Ryan please read that sentence out loud? Ever-increasing Yes, good. God is a God of ever-increasing glory. And can you read the last one? More. Okay, so Pastor Aaron actually preached a message on this, that God will take you from one glory to another glory. And Korea was... Certainly a glory, right? I think that most of us could say we've never encountered God in this way. We've never experienced the Holy Spirit in this way. We've never seen a Christian community love the Lord and hunger for him so much. But God is a God of ever-increasing glory, and you are his sons and daughters. So he never wants you to expect less. This is your floor now. And so you have this as a starting place, as, as a foundation. But there's a new glory that God is preparing for you. So expect it as you go home. And B, um, Madeline, could you please read it? Constant. Citizen. Yeah, I think that um, one example, Sumi, she's a student from, I think, two semesters ago. So spring 2011. Everything's blurring together now. Um, she was returning to a non-believing family, a lukewarm church, just really, really dry uh, spiritual climate back home. And she said that the one thing that got her through every season from a place of valleys to mountaintops in every season, it was early morning prayer meetings. She went faithfully, whether she was feeling it, whether she wasn't, everything around her was different from Korea. Everything around her was shifting even back home. But the one thing that remained the same was her her communion with the Lord, her prayer life, her Bible study, her soaking in God's presence. Wherever you are in the world, that is, that's accessible to you. It doesn't matter what continent you're on. His presence is always accessible to you. He's always there for you. He's always listening. He's always speaking to you through his word. That's one thing that will never, ever change, no matter where God sends you. And so it has to be what you hold on to. I think uh, when I went home, I lived in a dorm with two other people. One was Mari, who wasn't a Christian. The other was um, a very 
legalistic Christian who was freaked out by charismatic stuff. So here I am with the gift of tongues, moving the charismatic, no room of my own to pray. So what do I do? I went to my dorm bathroom, and um, before they had to get up and get ready, Dude, it makes, I'm so convicted right now because I'm so not as hungry as I used to be. No, new glory. Okay, so I'd get up. I would, okay, I would get up at 5 a.m. every day before class, and I would go to the bathroom. I would take my laptop, um, Song of Solomon, Bible study, Revelation, Bible study, my Bible, journal, and I would sit on the bathroom floor speaking in tongues, like praising, praying, and I was just, I was so hungry that at 5 a.m. I was waking up excited, right? Okay, I don't do that anymore, but... um. I think I was so sad to leave Korea, and it was so um, heartbreaking for me. It was the first time I ever had real relationships as well as meeting the Lord. So I was crying all the time and missing it, but my times with the Lord, they were the same as when I had in Korea. And they really pulled me to a new level while in Korea. God gave me crazy revelation. He's not ever going to send you to a place that's so dry unless he's going to pour his spirit into you pour living waters into you like really your time with him is crucial so don't forget about that all right b could i please have c could i please have um courtney read that sentence wisdom revelation Okay, so you guys have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And part of knowing the Lord is knowing his heart. That when you encounter a situation, when you encounter a decision, when you encounter a person that's difficult, you're not your own anymore. And you don't move and act in the same way as you used to. You're a new creation and you know the Lord. You have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so he's going to guide you in the right thing to do. He's going to lead you to do and say and act the right way. You don't have to worry about making mistakes all the time. You don't have to worry about second-guessing yourself. God will lead you because you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And uh, let's look at number one. Nuni, could you please read it? Mind. Heart. Okay, so the mind of Christ is basically like when you look at the world and situations You don't look at it as another human being would look at it. If something looks impossible, if something looks completely dead to you, you have the mind of Christ that says nothing is impossible. Um, I think you guys probably have heard, if you've been in New Philly at all, about Ezekiel 37, right? There's um, a prophet named Ezekiel, and he's looking at a valley of dry bones, and they're completely dead, dry, brittle bones. And God says, Ezekiel, look out. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, you know God, can they? And then God's like, no, son of man, can these bones live? Prophesy to these dry bones. You have the mind of Christ, which means when you look at a valley of dry bones where nothing living, where no good breaks, where no hope is in the natural, you have access to the mind of Christ. That mind that says nothing is impossible. You can speak into every dry and dead situation and say, no, you are alive. You are living. You, the, the, arm, the dry bones who became a vast army of living, living, breathing, moving army, right? Soldiers. It used to be just dry bones. And so in the same way, you have the mind of Christ. You have access to a supernatural God that can turn things around. You're not limited by um, humanity's resources or the natural realm. Next, number two, could um, 
Sarah Fa, please read it. Sarah Fo. <laughs> discernment. Okay, discernment. Do you guys need me to spell it? Okay, D I S C E R N M E N T. Okay, so when you come to a difficult situation, you don't have to go ahead and make a decision and then at the end of the day ask the Lord if that's what He wanted. You can pause. You can learn to walk in His presence. As in, not just get filled up in the morning or at night, but continually be communing with Him throughout your day and ask Him, God, what, is this grieving your spirit? God, what should I do right here? God, what should I say here? He will speak to you. He will speak to you. And you're going to be able to discern his voice in every situation. And soon it's just going to become natural for you to automatically move from his heart. All right, number three, my favorite one. Could Rebecca Hahn please read it? Kill. Stupid. Okay. Um, Proverbs 1, 8 through 33 is crazy, amazing. And Pastor Aaron preached a message called Get Wisdom, Get Life. On this passage, I'm not going to have you guys read all of this because it's long, but listen to the message, okay? Wisdom is important. You guys have access to it. Get wisdom, get life, okay? Um, you guys have been hearing wisdom this semester from Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, your familiar leaders. You've heard God speak to you directly as you spend time with him. Just don't neglect it. Listen to the words of your spiritual leaders just as you have here back home. Um, move in wisdom. You guys are all wise. Josephine, why did I say that? Okay, Josephine's testimony is um, important for this one. I don't know why, because there's so many testimonies. Oh, and Gia. Uh Okay, example. If you were recently in a bad relationship and got your identity from the opposite sex, it would be foolish to jump right into a relationship back home. Okay, you were healed and delivered. You were freed. You saw breakthrough. Now when you relate to guys or girls, it doesn't define you. You're not condemned. You're not restricted or limited. You are free. That's really, really awesome. Wonderful. When you go home, there are still going to be boys and girls that are good looking that are going to be after you. It's foolishness. If you jump into a relationship, if your previous struggle was with this very area, right? Don't do it. I will give you an example. And all these testimonies there, they experience victory in them. They're okay with us sharing. Unji was freed from um, promiscuity, clubbing, alcoholism, all this stuff that she was involved with before Korea, she was freed from, right? She goes home with this freed and and new creation mindset. And then her friends that she used to hang out with started inviting her back out to party. They would make her feel a little bad, like, oh, I'm about to graduate. I'll never see you. Oh, this is our last time. We're going to go to the zoo together, whatever. They had reasons to celebrate, right? And so... So they always were like, come out, come out, come out. And then she's like, you know what? I'm freed from alcohol. I'm freed from partying. I'm freed from getting my identity in this group of friends. So I'm going to go because I'm free from it. It doesn't own me anymore. I am not a mas- I'm not mastered by alcohol. So she started going once in a while. And then she started going every weekend. And then she started skipping class because she was so tired all the time. And then she started skipping church because she was so tired all the time. And then she found herself at a weekend, some type of getaway, partying, and she realized everyone else was passed out because they were drunk, and she was like, what the heck did I just do? Like, I spent 
that semester in Korea, and I was free from this very thing, but I'm sitting in the same spot. I was free from this. What am I doing sitting here in this room with a bunch of passed out drunk people? What's going on? Did what happened in Korea not really happen? Was it not real for me? No, it was really real. She's free from it. This attack is not, no longer a part of her. It's coming from the outside, but it was foolishness to go back into the area that she was just free from. She had to have a little time to walk it out, right? And so with her story in particular, she, at that moment, um, on that weekend getaway, she realized that it was foolishness to start clubbing and partying right away. She got plugged into a church. They had a crazy revival service at her um, university, and she was, she Uh, started committing herself to accountability again and walking this out. Pastor Aaron's message in Emmaus, walk it out. I wish it was on podcast. If you didn't listen to it, get it from a friend. It's really important. Uh, Walking it out is, is so important. So do that when you go home. Foolishness will kill you. Foolishness will kill you. Let me tell you something. If you had got set free from a certain addiction, you guys, it is stupid to think that you can go back into that place and just overcome it. Okay. For someone who got set free from alcoholism or drugs, like let's say for me, I used to do, I was a big pothead. It would have been foolish. Even if I had been set free to hang out with a bunch of potheads all day. Now, why is, it, why is it foolish? Because you need a season of victory. You guys hear me? It's not just about being set free. You need a season of victory before you should even think about going back to the places. When I'm, when I'm talking about a season, I'm not just talking about a week. Uh-huh, I'm all good for a week. You know, I'm straight. I can go to a club. I'm evangelizing to my friends. Shut up. You're not doing anybody anything. Okay, you need to stay out of that place. If it's relationships, you need to keep yourself accountable and stay away from the opposite sex, one-on-one situations, whatever, whatever. Make smart decisions. Listen, if I am surrounded by potheads right now, I'm straight. Why? Because I had a season of victory. I did not go near it. I didn't listen. I was very specific about who I hung out with what I talked with people about and my, the, the environment that I put myself in because I knew that it was once a place that had authority over me. So even things like, you know, uh, relationships or, you know, whether it's, let's say you drink and you think to yourself, man, okay, I used to get drunk all the time, but you know, now I'm set free from that. I can just drink on occasion and I'm, you know, I'll just have one beer and I'm straight. But you're going out with people that you know they're they're what they're thinking is I want to get blasted tonight. Like their thought isn't, oh, let's just take one, oh, let's have one beer together. Cheers. You know that their goal for the night is not to remember the rest of the night. I was part of a I was a part of a group in college called Team Blackout. Okay, it was a group of friends and we deemed ourselves Team Blackout. Do you do you think can anyone guess what our goal was? When we went out, it was to not remember a single thing. Oh, yeah, we were so clever, right? We were really smart. And so we, it, that's how we measured a, a good night or not. If we couldn't remember, it'd be like, oh, it was a good night. Do you remember that? No, I had no, that was a good night. Like, I mean, team, I had, we made shirts. All right, we were serious. Okay, team black, I had a shirt, team blackout on the back, weak sauce, because that was my nickname, all right? Because it took like, took like two beers and I blacked out, you know, 
Listen, I'm telling you, your first two months when you go back home is critical. Your first two months when you go back home will dictate the rest of your year. Your first two months. The decisions that you make, the people that you choose to see, the people that you choose to spend majority of your time with. Remember I told you some of you guys have to make the hard decisions of, of spending a little bit less intentional time with some friends or the friends you only got drunk with, try to meet them, you know, in places where you know you can only be sober. You know, let's grab lunch. Let's have a real conversation where we're actually sober. You know, like you're going to have to make hard choices. The first two months, you guys, it is critical. It is critical critical. And so this foolishness will kill you. I'm t- you know why this, I stress this is because I've also gotten so many messages from students saying, Oh man, I guess what happened in Korea, you know, I'm so discouraged because I thought I was free, but I, I guess I'm not. Cause I'm back here. And like you were free. And the moment you decided, the moment you decided to take that drink, the moment you decided to pick up that cigarette again, the moment you decided to go out with that guy is the moment you allowed yourself to be put back into bondage. You have so much more authority than you guys think. And so make right decisions, especially the first two months. It's going to set the course. And even if your friends play guilt trips on you, even if they say, man, you don't love me or what's wrong with you. Even if they're weirded out by you, like you've changed so much. Like, dude, why is your profile picture you in that kiddie pool? You know, like, like why, why are you crying all the time? Like, uh, you know, not everybody is going to understand what happened to you here. I want to say they don't need to understand. Your friends for so long as young people, we let our friends dictate our lives. You can't, you can't allow that anymore. And again, remember I told you guys my testimony. I was able to later on minister to my friends. Those very friends that thought I rejected them. They, they're the ones that came to me when they were struggling. You know, you are actually doing not only yourself a favor, you're doing the most loving thing for them. Okay. You're allowing yourself to be a person that's strong enough that in the future, when they're struggling, you can pull them up. But right now, if you think, man, I can pull you up these first two months, you are fooling yourself. You need time. All of you need time. You need time to to know what it's like to be home and be victorious. You need time to set that course, to set that pattern. And so make sure that you're making wise decisions. That was wisdom. Get wisdom, get life. Okay. Point number three, do not go naked. All right. And this, okay, I'm not going to talk about that. A, could I please have Cordero read A, please? <laughs> covering, covering of a local church. Do not go naked is actually the title of one of Pastor Christian's sermons that you should probably listen to very soon. Okay, number one, could I please have Jayan read? Ministering. All right. That was excellent. Okay, so covering is extremely important. Ministering to others is 
also very important. And everything that you got in Korea, you should pour out and you should have a desire to pour out. But it should be under the covering of a local church. You should be in relation to a local church, to leaders there. Um, before I committed to a local church, I was um, church hopping. I was looking for churches, and before I did that, I was so zealous, and so I was ministering to my roommate, trying to talk to everybody, share my testimony five times a day, and um, I started going to a church, but I wasn't really in relationship with any of the leaders. I wasn't being discipled. I wasn't submitting to anyone, but because I had God's favor and open doors were given to me, um, a group of 200 girls in my sorority, they asked me to speak and share about my semester in Korea randomly. So I gave my testimony. I discipled girls from that sharing time by myself. And what I did was I just got my Emmaus Bible studies that I had and I gave it to them. I, I did everything on my own. I never allowed myself to submit or let someone speak into me. And I saw fruit, guys, but um, there's a difference between fruit from just a very passionate zealous person and fruit that is produced under covering and submission and the Holy Spirit powered fruit because that's lasting fruit. And when I left America, when I left the situations, those discipleship situations, um, even with Marie, my roommate, they were so reliant on me. I had pointed them to me as their strength, me as their savior, me. I was saving them. And when I wasn't in the picture anymore, I had not plugged them into something bigger than myself. And I had nowhere to take them. And so it was such a struggle. And now I know it's because I wasn't undercovering. It's such a big deal. Um, Also with that, maybe we're going to cover that later. We're going to cover that later during discipleship accountability section. But, okay. So number two, um... Jody, please read. Go as a son, committing, stewarding, submitting, honoring. Okay, that's a lot of things to do, but it's important. Okay, let me read it to you clearly. Go as a son by committing to a church family, stewarding your inheritance, and submitting to and honoring your leaders. Okay, there's so many vocabulary words there that are from New Philly and Emmaus. Let's break it down. All right, one more time. Go as a son. (laughs) It's, It's important. I wanted them to get it. Okay, go as a son by committing to a church family, stewarding your inheritance, and submitting to and honoring your leaders. Okay. All right. Let's break it down. What do you guys think it means to go somewhere as a son? What does it mean to go somewhere as a son? Joe Payne. You go with a sense of belonging, right? What's the difference between a slave and a son or a servant and a son? You have an inheritance. Yeah. And when you serve, when you pour out, you don't do it because you have to earn a sense of belonging or earn love, you do it out of an overflow because it's your house, right? So go to the local church. We'll we'll talk about later if you feel called to New Philly long-term, if you're a son of New Philly, how to make that work out, going to a church back home. But wherever you go back home, go knowing that you belong, that you're not working for love, for affirmation from the leaders or from God, but you go as a son, you go and you serve and you commit out of the overflow because you belong there. Um, also, you guys said that sons get inheritance, right? In the same way, um, 
one of Pastor Christian's sermons was, uh, what's your agenda? And in it, he talks about how different movements have different graces upon them. They have different um, things that they're carrying, right? So Hillsong, Australia, is carrying a certain grace. And if you go there, you can pull from them. You can put a demand on their grace. Is it going to be different than you, Philly? Yeah, Definitely, but that you can learn something and soak it up. If you go as a son, you can pull from and draw from the good things that your local body, your local church is moving in. But if you go as a servant or if you go with a critical spirit, you're going to miss out on that. And we'll talk about that later. So go as a son. The, the pastor who preaches at your church, if he believes in Jesus and he's preaching from the Bible, it's powerful. And if it's delivered in a different way than a new Philly, I understand that that's hard. I experienced that firsthand. But you can learn and you can receive. You could steward those words and let it transform you. Um, it really is about your heart position and your mindset. Submitting to and honoring your leaders. You guys are so good at that. I mean, like, every familiar leader, Pastor Aaron, you guys honor us so much and you submit to us so much. Um, Pastor Aaron was sharing today something about how you guys just picked up submitting and honoring so well. And she said it's because the staff are such sons, right? In the same way, guys, like, you guys make us staff look really good. Like, I don't know if you know that, but the way that you submit to us and the way that you honor us, it takes us to a new level. And... Life flows through honor. You take us to a new level through your submission and honor. And we can take you to a new level through your submission and honor as well. And in the same way, even if you go back home and your leaders are different, your church is different, if you submit to and honor them, life will flow. You will be taken to a new level. It's impossible for you to decrease if you have that attitude. Um, okay. B, could I please have Kevin read that sentence? Oh, oh yes, yeah, sorry, B, go ahead. <laughs> um, could you finish reading the sentence, please? Sorry. Sonship. Okay, you feel like New Philly is your home church. This is where you belong. You're going to return here probably when you graduate. Um, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, your spiritual parents, you totally feel like a son here, but... You also are called to go back home right now. What do you do? You have to go to a church. There's a pastor there. How do you relate? Well, distance, first of all, does not matter. Geographic distance does not matter. Um, if you guys know Pastor Aaron and Pastor Christian have spiritual mentors, do you guys know where they live? Yes. They see them a couple times a year. They Skype occasionally, all that stuff, but they live really far apart. Distance doesn't matter in the spirit. And so if you belong in New Philly and you're a son of New Philly, the podcast, the previous words, the prophecies already spoken over you, it's going to continue to guide you. I don't know if you guys were at that Friday fire, but uh, J-Matt's boys were honoring him. And they said that when they go up, when they make a decision, oh, yeah, Joseph Yee was like, when I make a decision, I can hear John Matt's words telling me what to do. And when I'm confused, I know what he's saying. It's like I can hear his voice all the time. That is what sonship's all about. The words of the Father are going to guide you, right? J. Matt speaking on behalf of Pastor Aaron and Pastor Christian. Those words will guide you. You guys are sons, and so that means um, distance does not matter. Thank you, Judy. All right. <laughs> uh, number two. Dana, could you please read? Honor. <laughs> um, Pastor Erin said something very wise one time, and she said, you're honoring me when you honor your leaders back home. 
you're honoring Pastor Christian and me and your, your Emmaus familiar leaders when you honor your spiritual leaders back home. Because that's what sons do, right? Joseph was uh, his fa- the favored one of his father, but whether he was in the prison, whether he was at Potiphar's right hand, he was always acting with the same spirit of sonship. He was always acting out of the identity of sonship and being the favored one. Whether he was with his father or not, he knew who he was. And in the same way, regardless of where you are geographically, you are a son, you're a favored one. Honor is just in your DNA. And so do it. Pastor Aaron, do you have anything to add? Okay. Next, three, and uh, I'll just read it. Stay connected to New Philly Church via New Philly Podcast, Emmaus Facebook page, and the new website. Yeah. By sewing into New Philly Church Emmaus through prayers and finances, if you feel so led. Example, um, I listen to New Philly's podcasts all the time back home. I was going to a local church. I was um, being discipled, but I listened to New Philly's podcast every single week. It used to be called JCM, and I did miss a couple sermons, but I listened to most. Sonia, um, I asked her how she's being spiritually, spiritually fed. She said, I don't miss a single sermon. As soon as it's uploaded, I listen to them. As soon as anything's uploaded, I listen to it. So if you feel called to be a son of New Philly, steward your inheritance just the same way you would here. Take notes. Let it lead and guide you, direct you. Emmaus podcast is also available on iTunes. So um, plug into that. Um, One time I was in South Africa on missions. I was in front of like my cabin. I lived on a game reserve. There was Blessbuck and Wildebeest and Zebra all around. And I was just had one afternoon off and I listened to one of Pastor Christian's sermons about um, hungering and thirsting for God and how we could do religious stuff all day long. But when we come before the presence of the Lord, we're not hungry because we've um, taken in so much junk food, right? We can't enjoy a feast because we're just filling up on potato chips. And that's exactly what I was going through in South Africa on a game reserve, on a mission trip, Pastor Christian, he may or may not even have known I was there, but his words were exactly what I needed to hear right then because I was a son. They broke off things like I was able to minister in a whole new way on the mission field because of that sermon, and it spoke right into my life. In the same way, it's going to happen for you. If you're a son of New Philly, the words will continue to do the same thing. Um, Yeah. All right, C. Um... I feel like I've called everyone dirty. If you feel you are not called to be a son of New Philly Church, then submit in submit in love to the church God leads you to. If you're not called to be a son of New Philly, it's okay. But go and commit to a local body. Whatever has happened in Emmaus here, it cannot be continued. There's so much more that God wants for you, but it has to be in the context of a local body. You have to be relating to real believers and interact and have relationship because that's how God's heart is manifested. So... Plug into a local church. D, yes. Okay, so let's clarify, because I know some of you guys are hearing this term, son, and you're like, how how am I a son of New Philly or whatever. If you go to New Philly Church, and I know not everybody goes to New Philly, which is all good, um, but a lot of you guys do, which is why we added this in the seminar. If you go to a New Philly Church, and the moment you step into the church, you say to yourself, I'm home your son. If you go to New Philly Church and you step in and the thing you say is, I'm really blessed here. It's a blessing to be here. Okay, you're probably a son of another church. (laughs) You can still admire, and it doesn't matter if you're a son here or somewhere else, it doesn't matter. All we're saying is be a son somewhere. 
Okay. It means be a part of a local church because we'll talk about the importance of that later, but so when we say son of New Philly, that's what we're talking about. Some of you guys are called to come back. And even if some of you are not called to come back, a lot of you guys will still be sons of New Philly because the teaching will be the ones, the words that you hear and the messages will be the ones that set you free. And so because of that, that will be a really good indicator, how you receive the words, what the messages speak to you. For some of you guys, the messages will speak and be a blessing to you, but you know that you know that the church back at home, that's your church. That's your family. And that is totally okay. We just want you guys to be committed somewhere because it's really important to be a part of a family and to belong to a house. So I wanted to kind of clarify that a little bit all right d finding a church if you do not have a church to return to or feel called to leave your previous church please refer to the last page of the seminar i'm not going to go through this because i know this doesn't apply to everyone but um for me i did not go to church before i came to korea so that meant i had to look for one so i did a google search and i typed in spirit-filled churches in springfield missouri and then i went to the first one on the list and it worked out but um you know what like god god confirmed that that's where i'm supposed to be but uh there's some better ways uh wiser ways to go about doing that um if you also went to a church before but feel like god's calling you to go to another one um you know that's a big deal especially if you're committed there so really bring it before the lord and if you need counsel come to one of the leaders here um, but also refer to that last page uh yes okay number four discipleship and accountability a no matter how mature you grow as a christian there will never be a time when you will not need to be shepherded 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 and held accountable okay that comes from pastor benjamin and if you guys saw him minister here you see he's so anointed so wise so full of revelation he also has a spiritual mentor that he allows to speak into his life and so there's never a level that you'll reach where you don't your soul doesn't need to be shepherded so please um yeah okay who can tell me what it means to be shepherded what does it mean to be shepherded does anyone know guided good cordero says guided <clears throat> anyone else Judy is making a hand motion that looks like smack, smacking someone. Yes, it could be rebuke as well. Um, discipled, yes. Courtney, what did you tell me earlier today? <laughs> what does it mean to be? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay, so um, being shepherded means that there's a spiritual leader in your life that you're allowing to circumcise your flesh. Okay, so there's different parts of who you are. There's the spirit, there's the soul, there's the flesh. And God is speaking to you because he's put a spirit in you. You can hear from the Lord. You can get revelation from the word. He speaks to you. But at the same time, there's other voices like the world, your own desires, your um, fears, your feelings of inadequacy. There's so many. You're being bombarded with voices, right? So how do you know what is you? What's the Lord? What is this a selfish desire? Is it the Lord? Am I actually in bondage? What am I going through right now? That's what a shepherd does. They will cut away the flesh. They will cut away all of those things that don't need to be there because you hear the, the word of the Lord for yourself. And so they're there to confirm what God is speaking to you. They're there to guide you when you may be walking a little bit astray. Um, if you look at the word shepherd, it's 
also talking about a shepherd and his sheep, right? And Psalm 23 um, is talking about how a shepherd will lead his sheep to um, quiet waters and green pastures. And um, if you guys know this, sheep are really stupid. If you leave them alone, they will walk into holes. They will walk into bushes. They will walk off of cliffs, right? Why? Because they don't know where they're going sometimes. And Sheep are stupid. Not to say you guys are stupid, but when you're going through a situation and you have all of your emotions, there's turmoil inside of you, people are yelling, your parents are getting onto you, there's so much happening. You can't even think reasonably in that moment. And the the wise decisions that you would normally make, you can't make in that mindset. And with your emotions and your heart telling you something else, a shepherd will be able to guide you in those times. And so... A shepherd is very important. Let someone shepherd your soul. So really quickly about that, to clarify, a shepherd isn't someone who controls your life. Okay? A shepherd isn't the one who makes your decisions for you. Okay? Should I take this job or not? Uh, Should I go to grad school? It's not a, you know those magic eight balls? And like, you're like, magic eight ball. Should I go after this guy? Shake. It's like, ask me later. You're like, dang, you know, and I hated that one. That one thing when that, anyway, um, your shepherd isn't your magic eight ball. Okay. A shepherd's job is to cut out everything that is hindering you from hearing God's voice clearly. So if someone comes to me and is like, you know what? I want to pursue this guy. I think he's the one. What do I do? You know, should I go after him? I'm not going to say, it depends on my relationship. Sometimes I'm just like, you know what? No, get out of my face. All right. That's something I would do for Rona, right? No. (laughs) You know, but generally what I'll probably do is, okay, well, you know, have you been feeling lonely lately? Like actually, yeah, I've been pretty, I've been feeling pretty alone. Like, have you been feeling like you've been lacking intimacy with people? Actually, yeah, I've been feeling like I'm, you know, lacking intimacy or, you know, do you feel like you can get married anytime soon? Actually, I'm afraid that, you know, if I don't date someone now, I'm never going to get married and I'm going to be like a, you know, 50 year old, yes, spinster, whatever, whatever. It's funny because the more I ask questions to those that I'm shepherding, I'm able to draw out things that they realize, oh, okay, this actually isn't the smartest decision. And eventually they're the ones that are able, actually, I don't think this is right. Do you see the difference? I think, you know, some people feel like, oh, being under uh, sonship is having your spiritual father tell you what to do and then you do it. That's not it at all. You guys are fully capable of hearing God's voice. The only problem is sometimes other things get in the way. So the, th- the job of the shepherd is to help clear out those other things. And so, you know, some people hear the term sonship and they think we're having a cult. They think like, you know, we're, it's like just developing little cult followers and robots and like, yes, I will do everything that you tell me to do, you know, like jump off the cliff. I will jump off the cliff, you know, and like. It's not that at all. Uh, If you have a good shepherd, you will, at the end of your time with them, you will have that much more faith that you're able to hear God's voice for yourself. And so a lot of my staff, they'll come to me and they'll talk to me about whatever. And, you know, I'll be able to say, you know what, that is totally right on. Like, oh, Pastor Aaron, I really feel like God is leading me to do this. What do you think? Like, you know what? I bear witness completely with that. Absolutely. And then other times I'm just like, okay. Um, and then I'll start asking questions and then they'll know <laughs> that most likely I don't agree. Um, but 
ultimately you never will, you will never hear me force them to do anything. I never demand them to do anything. You know, Pastor Benjamin never tells us you need to do this and there's no question about it. He'll give us advice and then he'll give us that choice to follow it or not, but he'll never force us to do anything. And so I want you guys to understand it's a healthy, get a healthy grasp. Cause like Rona was saying, when she was discipling people, when she left, they were all falling apart. Why? Because the, at that point they were trusting more in her than they were trusting in God. And we're not interested in getting people who depend on, you know, not who don't, who are in common. What is going on over there? Y'all making me become get all teacher. I'm about to separate y'all. Tell you to go to the back and hold your hands up. You know what I'm saying? Get, get mad Korean school on you. Don't make me do it. I'll do it. But, um, uh, okay. So I'll continue. So B, your level of submission determines your level of growth and your spiritual authority. Okay. I know that this is a long seminar, but you guys, you need to get this. You need to pay attention. You need to hear what we're saying because this will be life to you when you guys go back home. Your level of submission will dictate how much authority you have at your home. That's huge. You guys ever see someone get knighted, you know, in like movies? What, ha what does a man do to get knighted? He kneels down. Okay. If you want real authority, people, they get so on fire for God while they're in Korea and they go back home thinking they're the shiz. Okay. And they go around, to, you know, trying to think that they're going to release revival and they don't want to listen to nobody. Okay. And they think that they got so much authority because I know this, that, and that you're a fool. If you're going to think that the first thing you need to do when you go back home is find a church to submit to only those who are in submission have real authority. You know why that's true? Because in order to have authority, it means you're a leader. Okay. A leader. If you, if you want to be a leader, you need to understand that you need a leader. How can you expect people to follow you? If you don't think you need to follow anybody else by very definition, you're being hypocritical. You know, I'm a leader, follow me. Yet you're thinking to yourself, but I don't need to follow anybody. You know, I, I, I do my own thing. I hear God for myself. So it makes no sense. If you really want true authority, if you really want to understand what it means to be someone that carries influence, you need to first understand that you yourself, you need someone to submit under. And so if you are going back at a church, I don't care how dry your church is. I don't care how dry your pastor is. If all your interests, if you're the one judging, if you're the one judging, if your leader deserves to be submitted to, you are in the wrong place. You are, you've, you have lost yourself and you are in the land of deception. If you're looking at your pastor saying, man, my pastor needs some Jesus. You have to be careful. You guys did that Bible study. Don't touch the Lord's anointed, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be getting eaten by them. She bears. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Telling your leaders that they're balding, you know, whatever, whatever you got to say, you better be careful. You're about to get eaten alive, all right? God does not mess around. Think about it, you guys. Even if your leaders, maybe they don't even believe in the charisma. Maybe they don't even believe in anything you experienced in Korea. You share your testimony with them, and they're like, you know what? That was just an emotional role. That was something emotional. That wasn't the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if you experience something like that, I do not care. You are to respect them, and you are to honor them. You want to know what a beautiful example of that? David and King Saul. David was anointed 
to be king. When King Saul, when the Lord, when, when King Saul disobeyed God, God, God was just like, that's it, King Saul, you out. And I'm going to raise someone else up. And he anointed David. He got prophet Samuel to anoint David. David was a young, young buck back then. And since then, King Saul was still king. David knew that he was going to be the next king, but he found himself under submission to King Saul. Now, if King Saul was a good king, it would have been, of course, it's easy to submit to someone that you think is great. Of course, it's easy to submit to somebody that you think knows everything. But what about submitting to someone that you don't agree with? What about submitting to someone that doesn't agree with anything that you've experienced? Listen, David, he submitted to someone who tried to kill him. You want to complain about your leaders? <laughs> Think about David playing the liar, liar, liar. How do you say that word? Liar, liar, you know, whatever, you know. And King Saul, all of a sudden, out of pure jealousy, just throwing spears at David. And David's like, you know, like dodging them. Still, even, even when King Saul was chasing after David, trying to murder him. You want to tell me about bad leader? Is your leader trying to kill you? If they are trying to run after you with a spear, I don't think so, okay? But David had it pretty bad, and yet still he never talked bad about Saul, ever. And he never, even when he had a chance to ki kill King Saul, the one who was trying to kill him, he didn't even, he cut off a piece of his robe, and he got so convicted. He didn't even touch him, but he cut off a piece of his robe, and he got so convicted by the Spirit of God, he went and he repented to Saul and said, forgive me. Forgive me for even cutting off a piece of your cloth. I need you guys to carry that same mindset. It starts with your attitude towards your leaders. It starts with even the things that you say about your leaders. Submitting, you don't have to agree with your leader to submit to them. So even if your leaders don't believe what you're believing, it's okay. You can still hold on to that, but still submit. You can still hold on to that and still honor them. Okay, and so it is crucial that you guys practice what you preach. You want to be influential. You know, you want to be a leader. Then allow yourself to be led as well. Y'all hear me? All right, C, things to keep in mind while relating to spiritual leaders back home. I think I talked a lot about this, but we'll go through this. Number one, just as God does not look at the outside, but looks at the heart, use spiritual discernment while relating to a spiritual leader. Don't trust what you see in the natural. Can I, can I share this as a personal example for myself? When I first became a leader, I was a young Christian. Like I just turned back to the Lord. And when I first led my missions trip, uh, my first team to Philippines, I was like the youngest of the group. And a lot of people, it would have made sense for them to just be like, what is she? How is she the leader? Like she doesn't know what she's doing. I cried every team meeting. And it wasn't because the Holy Spirit was there. I cried because I was like, <laughs> I suck. Like literally, like I was so insecure. I was so filled with inadequacy. Like I just straight up cried and I apologized to my team like over and over. They, I was a terrible leader. But they honored me and they submitted to me even, even though they knew that I was young because they saw the gold inside of me. And now I'm a leader that's much better than I used to be. <laughs> Trust me, I still have ways to go, but I know that I have grown for sure since that time. And it's because people like the ones at our church, they still chose to see the best in me. They chose to believe that even when they couldn't even see it, that God must have known what he was doing when he made me a leader. Even when I first was deemed Pastor Aaron, it was so weird for everybody to call me Pastor Aaron. Everyone was used to calling me Samo. Even when being from just Aaron the Younger to 
Aaron's Hummel name was just bizarre for everyone. So bizarre that they had to nickname me Hummel. Also because Hummel name sounds so old, you know. But Hummel, and then from Hummel to Pastor Aaron, it was a, you could tell it was a strange transition for the whole church to go to. But they chose to honor me even above where I was at. So don't look at the outside, you guys. Don't just trust what you see. So what? Your spiritual leader is dry right now. You do not know what God's about to do in their lives. There's a, a pastor in Australia who was so, he was so, um, he was a big ses- sensation, no, s- sensationalist. To, to be a sensationalist, sensation, all right. Cessationist? Okay, actually, I don't think that's right either, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm getting so confused. Anyway, what that means is, is someone who believes that the gifts of the spirit are dead. So a lot of the church body, especially back in America, they believe that gift of tongues, gift of healing, gift of prophecy, all of that was only for Bible times. And that when um, the Bible, after Jesus ascended and after Acts, the first church happened, basically after the Bible got canonized, after the Bible was made, we didn't need that because now we have the Bible. And so it's a large belief that the gifts of the spirit are dead. And here was a pastor in Australia. And I remember having to um, talk with people who had come out to Nephili and knew the power of the Holy Spirit. And they went back to Australia to their pastors. And they were like, dude, my pastor doesn't believe in any of this. And wanted so badly to leave their church. And wanted so badly to, you know, talk smack about him and gossip and complain and all this stuff. And I remember teaching, Pastor Christian teaching this concept, honor him, honor him, honor him. And uh, three months later, somehow, some shape or form, he found himself in IHOP. And he came back, like, on fire that same person that said there's no such thing you know that is of the devil to be speaking in tongues all of a sudden he is so filled with the spirit himself you do not know what god is doing and so do not look at the outside all right number two look for a spiritual leader who is theologically sound and not cultish this is key y'all don't join a cult okay (laughs) don't don't join a cult um yeah, if you guys look at the, uh, Finding a Church, that passage later on, uh, it, there's a part of our website at New Philly that talks about what we believe in and uh, a list of our beliefs. And so you guys can check that out um, in order to help find out what's theologically sound or not. Number three, your aim out of your discipleship relationship should be getting your leaders bigger Jesus. Their faith and walk should resonate with the larger reliance, trust, and view of Christ than what you currently have. All right, and I have an example. Um, okay, so when I first went home, I wasn't shepherded. I wasn't relating to a leader. I was pouring out, but then um, I was praying continually for someone to disciple me. And then um, I got involved with a campus ministry my second year. And this is an awesome campus ministry. Basically, um, they have you live in a house and you live with other believers, and then they send one of their staff to live in the house and disciple you one-on-one. And then your rep many goes to support world, world missions. So I, it was like very Bible-believing, evangelical, loving missions kind of, you know, believers. So they were really great, but very not charismatic. So I lived in the Bible Belt, and it's very common. And so this spiritual leader, um, she's awesome. I love her. But our first discipleship, I sat down, and she said, give me your testimony. So... Talked about the abuse, talked about the alcoholism, all that stuff. Got to Korea, talked about my vision, 
getting the gift of tongues, healing and deliverance, all the supernatural stuff. And at the end of it, she's just like, stone cold face. Show me in the Bible how what anything you had to say even matters at all. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, and then I was like really flustered, right? And the next time I came back with some Bible passages, but every week she made me cry. And she really challenged me and was like, really, Rona, all you're talking about is emotion and all this stuff. But if it's not in the Bible, then it doesn't matter. And okay, she was harsh and she did warn me. Rona, one of my strengths is that I love the word of God. I memorize it. I eat it. It's, it's part of my life. But one of my weaknesses is that I'm, it's really hard for me to meet people where they are in love. And so I knew, okay, like she's going to be like a drill sergeant discipler. Um, and so, yeah, definitely I was like challenged, but it made my faith become my own. It made me really look into the word to find how what happened to me was scripturally sound. PC taught about it, but I had forgotten and it hadn't made it my own. I had just believed what he said, right? So I had to look and I had to dig on my own. I had to back up what I said. And then at the same time, um, I had an open mind at that point because I had seen how I was producing a lot of fruit, but it wasn't lasting, right? And so I was like, I need a spiritual leader. So I was submitting to her. And she was teaching me so much. From that year of discipleship with her, I grew so much in character. God really refined me. And I left. Um, I had never memorized the script, scriptures systematically before. But she has this scripture memory box system for daily, weekly, monthly passages. And I started doing it. And that's the first time that scripture really became a part of who I was. And I've told each and every one of my disciples one-on-one here in Korea about that. And it's really, really helped them to memorize scripture. Like, really? Yeah, I wasn't able to, like, speak in tongues with her. I wasn't able to get prophetic words from her. And there's so many things I felt like I was missing out on. But she had a grace that she was carrying. She believes in the Lord. And so I could pull from that and learn from her, even though she totally doesn't believe in what I experienced, right? And so it can happen. Have an open heart and mind. Pastor Aaron. Okay, number four, can I get uh, Judy? Can you read that? Judy Kim. Okay, uh, stay with me here. I don't want you guys to get confused, but when you have a lot of different leaders speaking into your life, it can cause confusion. Okay, let's say you are about to make a decision about how to spend your summer, and your campus ministry leader says you should go on missions with us. Your pastor at your church says you should uh, you know, do Bible vacation school with our ministry. Um, your parents say you should go to uh, Hagwon and study more on, I don't know, something that you need to study on. Uh, who do you listen to? What happens is when we have a lot of multiple leaders speaking into our lives, what we tend to do is choose the voice we like to hear best. So, you know, we hear three different opinions and we say, you know what? I like your answer, you know? Uh, I like what's behind door number, uh, not door number, door, you know, number two. You know, and I want to go after that. And what happens is you actually don't have anybody leading you. Uh, nobody's actually speaking to your life. The only person that's leading you is yourself still. So you can convince yourself, man, I got so many leaders, you know, wh where there is, you know, many counselors, there's wisdom or whatever. And you can pat yourself on the back. But in reality, uh, you're not being shepherded at all. And the so the important thing is to really ask the Lord to lead you to just submit to one person. 
Okay. That means, you know, I would suggest someone that you have the closest relationship with someone that really is able to, who knows your situation, someone that you trust, someone that you think is a strong leader, just choose one and submit to that person and have their voice be a central voice. This is crucial. Otherwise you guys will be confused. Okay. And so this is important, especially because campus ministry gets a little bit tough. Not everybody is like Emmaus and NPC where it works both ways. Like Emmaus, you know, many, many Emmaus people go to New Philly. The students that don't go to New Philly probably have this problem. You know, they have a familiar leader, but then they go to OEM or they go to, um, you know, New Harvest or they go to another church and they might get two different opinions. And it's kind of like, what do I do? What do I do? But our familiar leader, FYI, will always say, what is your pastor saying? If they know my heart, they'll always point you back to your local pastor. But that's just us. But uh, in general, it's important to make sure you guys just have a central voice. Um, if you, by the way, if you guys feel like you're a son of New Philly, or if you made a 10 year commitment or all of this stuff, I would suggest for major decisions, you guys should contact your familiar leaders for major, major decisions. You guys can contact your familiar leaders or myself. If you have a relationship with me and, uh, you know, we can counsel you. For example, if your mentor tells you don't go to Korea, but you know, you made a 10 year commitment or you knew you made a commitment to come back to Korea. And they're like, don't go to Korea. God totally doesn't want you to go to Korea. That's what happened with me, actually, with my pastor. Um, yeah. Then it would be good if you guys seek some counsel from, you know, the, the house that you're feeling like you're a son of. That makes sense. All right. Letter D, set up an accountability partner or group. This is crucial. Okay. Number one, if it exists in your church or campus ministry, get involved. If there's not one available to join, just start one yourself with people that you trust who are pursuing God and want to grow. You guys, you cannot trust just yourself to make the right decisions all the time. God didn't create us to be like that. He created us to be a body, to support one another, to encourage one another, to be in communion with one another, especially in areas. Remember I said you need a season of victory. Accountability is imperative for a season of victory. You can easily tell yourself, I will never do that sin ever again. I am never going to, you know, uh, look at that website again. But if you're by yourself and you are having a bad day and, you know, you're, you're just having a, you got into a fight with so-and-so and you're just stressed out and you just all of a sudden a wave of temptation comes and you know, nobody's holding you accountable. It's going to be really easy to fall into that. But if you know, shoot tomorrow, I got to meet up with so-and-so and I got to, <laughs> I got to tell Rona how I'm doing in this area. It's going to help keep you in check. Um, even as a pastor, I have accountability. Um, before I started my accountability with Pastor Sonny, I had accountability with fellow members of the church. And this is before accountability was even mandatory in New Philly leadership. I just knew that I knew I needed people to hold me accountable. So me and a couple of girlfriends, we got together and we said, you know what, let's do this. Let's meet up at least once a month and let's ask each other the hard questions. And we all went around and we shared areas that we've been struggling with. Okay. And I talked about you know, different areas that I struggle with. They talked about different areas they struggled with. And then we decided, okay, let's make a pact. I want you to ask me every time we meet, did I fall into this? You know, and not only that, but they also kept me accountable with, have you been spending time with the Lord? 
Have you been doing your QTs? Have you been, you know, going to church? Like, I'm not going to church, but for you guys, have you been going to church? You know, things like that. It is important to have those people. You know that someone's going to ask you those hard questions. And not only that, but this is, this is, this is important. Some people have accountability and like when they fall, it's like, oh, it's okay. You'll do it next time. Okay. That's not accountability. All right. Accountability is also giving permission for someone to speak into your life. Meaning when you fall, it's like, listen, you're better than that. What are you doing? You're better than that. And then allowing them to shift you, allowing them to, you know, break that whatever off of you, allowing you to break off guilt or condemnation, allowing them to say hard words. Like, you know what? That was a really stupid decision for you to hang out with so-and-so. I don't think you should be doing that. It's not, not everybody is, it, you need to give someone that kind of authority to speak like that to you. You know, and so it's important that you give someone that opportunity. And so uh, one thing that I want to mention, you guys, it's it's okay if it's not perfect. It's okay if that person doesn't have the same experiences as you. It's okay if they don't believe in necessarily the same, you know, let's say power of the Holy Spirit, whatever. It's all good. If they love the Lord and they're pursuing God, they'll make a great accountability partner. All right. And so don't be so stuck on it's got to be exactly what I experienced here. That's where a lot of people end up getting disillusioned. Um, and then the last one, number two, make it clear that you will be committed to one another, no matter what. All right. All right. We're going to speed it up, bringing fire to your Jerusalem. A, the first step in carrying the fire back to your Jerusalem is to remember your true identity in the Lord. You are a carrier of his presence. See the identity seminar for more. Um, your familiar leader passed this out, talked about it. There's a lot of identities. That's who you are. So go out knowing that. Um, testimony after testimony, these students all have said at one point, Satan got them to believe that what happened in Korea wasn't real. That was over and over what they said. Oh, I'm not free from this. Oh, this didn't really happen. Oh, I'm not set free. You are, and you need to continually claim these identities. The word of God says to take off the old self and put on the new. That should be a daily thing. Take off any false identities that climb onto you and put on the truth of who you are uh, found in the word of God. And so that is number one way to bring fire. You must remember who you are. B, a word for a new Philly church that you can declare over yourself is that God will open doors that no one can shut. Expect God's favor, speaking opportunities, moments to share with friends, and divine appointments every place that God sends you. Um, there were so many situations where God led me from one thing to another, and I can share that with you guys later, but it's going to happen. Expect it. Pray into it. It's going to happen. You guys are going to have crazy open doors. It's going to be powerful. Okay. Um, oh, okay. See, if you want to see any person, campus, city, or nation changed by the power of God, it will be the fruit of a prayer movement. As you guys saw with 615 Prayer, also Sunday Swim, Friday Fire, New Philly and Emmaus are praying ministries. And the reason we see so much fruit is even before these prayer meetings that you guys got to be a part of, New Philly was praying. And we're reaping the fruit of, of revival in our church from years and years of praying that have happened six, seven years ago. You know, right? And Pastor Ann was part of the prayer team a long time ago before she came pastor. It's all the fruit of prayer. And so... 
There usually aren't prayer ministries on your campuses. If there's not, find people to pray with. Intercede for your campus in the same way you guys were equipped with prayer. With Eunice, if you came to large group, we lead prayer topics. Pray in the same uh, fervor and love and passion that you prayed here with other people, and you will see revival come. Um, D, the most powerful thing you can do is share your testimony. Your testimony is a prophecy over everyone that hears that God is real, God is loving, and God can change us. Uh, I pray, I share my testimony so many times that now when I'm asked to share it, I started to like say, oh, can someone else share it? And Pastor Aaron said, never treat your, your testimony with contempt. It's God's story in your life. This is God coming down from heaven and reaching down and affecting and changing your life and setting you free. It's a powerful story. Share that. It's not about your glory. You don't have to worry about you being prideful or whatever. It's God's story and his heart being manifested through your life. So share it every opportunity you can get. Um, E, you are now a carrier of his presence, which means signs and wonders will accompany you. Eagerly desire to prophesy and see God's power manifest. Uh, that's also a sermon, eagerly desire to prophesy, earnestly desire to prophesy. Mm -hmm. So guys, also, here's a piece of wisdom. If your church doesn't have a grid for the prophetic, don't go around saying, I'm going to prophesy over you. Okay? If they don't have a grid for that. But that doesn't mean you can't prophesy. All you need to do is, hey, can I pray for you? You know, like, boom, the hand on the shoulder, all right? Now I'm playing. Um, you can, and then, I, then it's just about packaging, you know? And it's just like, you know, I want to, God, Lord, I just pray that you will bless Rona's family. You might get the prophetic word that her brother is struggling, okay? But you don't need to say, God is telling me that your, your brother's struggling, Okay, you can still speak into their lives in a way that they can receive it. God, I pray for Rona's family. I pray for her brother. I pray that you will bless her brother. And all of a sudden, she's probably going to end up being like, wow, how did you? What? And then you should be like, oh, you know, I just got, God was just leading me, you know, in that prayer. Don't be smart because the moment you, and people take this verse, be eager to prophesy and they put it so out of context and they end up ruining the prophetic for people. And all of a sudden you're like, thus saith the Lord, or, or, you know what? Let me prophesy over you. And immediately you just shut it out. Trust me. If you keep doing that on the down low, we call that Jehovah sneaky. All right. When you get an opportunity to actually talk about the prophetic, they'll be so open to it. And then you'll be like, actually, you may have not noticed this, but I have been you know, tapping into that, uh, when I've been, as I've been praying for you over all these months, have you noticed that you've always said that you felt like God was speaking directly to you? That's what we call the prophetic. You know, it, it's packaging it in a way that people would be ready to receive it as opposed to in a way that they'll immediately reject it, you know? So be smart about the signs and wonders, you know, but be bold. Okay. Be bold about praying for people. Other things, some people are more open to like healing. You don't really need to like package that. Just be like, Hey, you're sick. Let me pray for you. Uh, and every, most churches will have a grid for that. They might not think it can happen so frequently, but they'll always be down to pray for someone to get healed. Prophetic is a little bit more controversial, you know? And so, and even speaking in tongues, if your church doesn't speak in tongues, then don't be all shala baba hara baba. You know what I mean? Like, and then and then think that you're all all speaking tongues. You know, like you are. It's it's not wise. You're not doing yourself a favor. 
You know, you're actually ruining your own influence in the church. If you're doing something that you know is offending them without having a substance or a foundation, give them some time to see that you are a strong Christian, that you have character. Give them some time to see that you're willing to submit to the leadership. And then later on, when they talk to you about, man, how are you so powerful? Why are you so, how can you see so much fruit? Then when you say things like, actually, I speak in tongues, you got influence. Now it's like, oh, wow, what does that mean? I actually thought that that was done, but seeing your fruit, it makes me interested in hearing what you have to say. Okay, and so be careful with that. All right, and F, there is nothing more powerful than the love of God. At the end of the day, the most important part about pouring out is that you do it in the spirit of love. Um, What Mari said to me before she became a Christian was, um, Rona, no one has ever committed to me and loved me, even when I was being really mean and messing up and, and when I was being really good. No one has decided to stick with me and walk with me through this. And it wasn't when I was telling her all the right answers and preaching at her. It wasn't when I was doing all these saintly things. It was by loving her. And so if everything is done from a spirit of love, you can't fail, really. But if you move out of that and move in pride and just trying to do your own thing, then you will fail. Okay. Stretchy, stretchy. Can't take my eyes off of you. You're just too good to be true. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much. At long last, love have arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes. Oh, not to do. Number one, do not have a critical or judgmental attitude towards believers back home. A, a critical mindset robs you from the blessings that God wants to pour out to you from your current ministry. Um, There's an amazing student named Chris who experienced this. He came in. It wasn't as holy, holy, as amazing, amazing, as filled with the spirit as he experienced here. So he started to look down on them and robbed himself of getting blessed by them for a season. Um, Sonia, another example, the one that we saw here, her small group leader, this is how it works. They teach her the Bible lesson and then they peace out. And then she teaches the Bible lesson to her disciples. That's it. There's no talking. There's no sharing. There's no shepherding. That's it. Right. And at first it would have been easy for her to look down on that and say, this isn't like Emmaus. It's not as good as New Philly, but, um, she's able to overcome that and grow because she has the right heart. And so, B, you could come off as arrogant and quench what God is actually doing if you only have a critical mindset and heart. Y'all need to get this, okay? Pride will be 
the number one temptation. You need to understand that. Be on the lookout. Because if you had a powerful experience while you are here, you will be tempted in and out to be prideful. You will be tempted to think that you know more, that you've experienced more, that you're better, that your knowledge of God is stronger, deeper, that your relationship with God is more significant because you can pray in tongues and that person can't. You will be tempted, so tempted to think yourself better than other people, including your leaders. This is the number one trap. This is the one thing that the first thing that Satan fell from himself. This is what, this is it right here. Pride will always try to get you. And you guys, I have seen so many students fall into this trap and you're lucky y'all getting this seminar because I'm warning you in advance, don't fall for it. I do not care how many hours you pray a day. I don't care how many times you fell, you know, under the power of God. I don't care what you think you know. It doesn't matter. Pride is always the enemy's signature, not God's. No matter how strong you are in your faith, maybe you are maybe more knowledgeable than God, than your leader. Maybe you've had more experiences than your leader. But if you start thinking that and puffing yourself up, then all of a sudden you're going to be operating from a spirit that is not of God. And so don't fall into that trap. Don't get yourself puffed up. Don't tell yourself, man, I can't listen to what this person's saying. Man, I can't. That, this person has nothing to teach me. I have nothing to learn from you. You obviously do not know what you're talking about. You know, like you, 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 are you saved? Because, you know, you say that you're a leader, but you know, I see you, you know, whatever, I see you drinking every night, you know, like, are listen, it's not your position. You have no authority to judge people. If there's one thing I hoped you learned at Emmaus, it's that when you guys walked in all messed up, I hope you understood that we didn't judge you. We didn't be looking at you like, man, that fulio, you know, we, we know you're going to the, we knew what you were doing. All right. The leaders are not stupid. We knew that you guys didn't come to a maze because, you know, we, we're not dumb. Okay. We knew that y'all didn't go to church because y'all were hungover. All right. We, we know, but still, how do we treat you guys? We treated you guys with open arms. We loved on you. We encouraged you. We saw the gold inside of you. Why? Because that's how God works. We didn't look down on you and say, man, like, who does this punk think he is? You know, get out of Emmaus, whatever, whatever. No, we treated you guys with patience, with love. You know, that's one of the things, one of the things that blessed me the most was I was talking with Grace, I think two Tuesdays ago, and she was sharing me, sharing with me. That's one of the things that I loved about Emmaus is I never felt judged. I never felt condemned. I never felt like people were like, you know, looking down on me. And that kindness is what you are in. That's what the word of God says. I love and kindness leads us to repentance. Okay. And so in that same way, whether it's your family, whether it's your church members, your peers, whether it's your leaders, check your attitude, check your attitude. Cause the moment you step into pride, you have shut yourself from being able to see what God is doing. Everything will be confusing. You will not be able to see what God is starting. You won't be able to see what God, how God is moving in this area or in this person. You, your discernment will be so off. 
you won't even, you're, you'll be operating out of the wrong heart. And so I can't stress this enough because it is a temptation. Listen, for us in Korea, it's a temptation. You know, as, as a, a college ministry, we can be tempted to think, man, them other college ministries and our Kansani meetings, man, they're so religious and yada, yada, yada. And I got to admit, there are times where I even said things like that. But whenever I did, trust me, God always convicts me. And he's always like, um, yeah, who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> like, do you remember who you were? Like, you know, three years ago, like, who do you, do you, and if anything, the more I see other ministries on this campus, the other, I, the more I visit other ministries, uh, you know, me and Christian, were visiting other EMs, um, in the city of Seoul right now. And the more I step into other EMs, man, what I feel is not, man, they need, they need Jesus. They need the Holy Spirit. I feel, man, God loves this church so much. Like that's the heart of God. If that's not what you're feeling, not even emotionally, if that's not what you're thinking, if that's not your line of thought, then you have walked out of God's heart. So check your pride. Okay. I don't, and trust me, everything that you've experienced thus uh, until now is, is the tip of the tip of the iceberg. God has so much more for you. You're not there yet. You know what I mean? Like, don't be thinking that you've made it. You didn't make it. All right. There is still more victories for you guys to experience. There's still so much more breakthroughs. There's still so much joy and peace and love for you to experience. There's so much more is what I'm saying. Don't block yourself from going higher just because you think, oh, um, you know, I made it now. And looking down at everybody. Check your arrogance. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. All right, number two, do not try to bring revival by your own might or power. You could put either one of those. And timing, okay? Revival and breakthrough will all be done by the leading of his spirit. Don't feel like the pressure is on you to save your whole campus and family and friends and extended family and cousins and whatever. Just because you're a carrier of revival doesn't mean that you're the savior of the world. Okay? You don't save anybody. And I think that it's so easy to fall into that, especially if you want to pour out and love on people, but you don't have to feel that pressure. God will pour out his spirit, right? Okay, B, God promised to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That is his job, not yours. C, if you move only your power, if you move in only your power and might and are trapped in your own agenda, you are setting yourself up to totally miss what his spirit is actually doing in you. All right. So the first blank is agenda. You will totally miss what his spirit is actually doing in you and on your campus. Okay. I think that I did this over and over and over and over again. So I went home really zealous and excited to pour out and I had the right heart. And so in that sense, God, I think gave me grace, but I wanted to save everybody. And I was just so excited to share everything that happened in me that I wanted to see my whole campus revived. That was a good heart, but I went about doing it very foolishly. Um, so I went to that sorority. I spoke, I was discipling some of those girls, three or four of them, um, in a small group, teaching them Emmaus lessons, got to baptism of the Holy spirit. And then I just turned on some Hillsong and then I just started laying hands on people. And I was just like, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now, right now. And they didn't, nothing happened. Okay. 
Um, because I didn't ask the Lord if it was time for these girls. I didn't take the time to really get to know them. I just wanted to see them revived. Uh, I didn't really ask the Lord, is it time for this? You know, I just did my own thing. I was trapped in. Um, you c- the thing is, New Philly and Amaze is all about Holy Spirit leading, not having your own agenda. But I systematized what happened here and thought that was a methodology I could take home. But the Holy Spirit's crazy and he will do what he wants. Our job is to partner with God, not tell God to partner with us. And so um, please do not do your own thing. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. When I went home in um, the end of May for a friend's wedding, I had no ministry opportunities scheduled. The wedding of my best friend was on a Sunday. I couldn't even go to a church, but God continually gave me visions of fruitfulness and kept saying, this is going to be a fruitful trip. And I was like, uh, I don't have any ministry opportunities. Um, then one of my friends told me that she wanted to have me out at a small group. I didn't know who was going to be there, how many people, but I went, um, going, knowing I was going to share about Emmaus. And then there was 10 to 12 young professionals. I shared my testimony, shared a couple testimonies of, uh, some of you amazing students. And then every single person there was like, I want to be a part of Emmaus. And then I soon found out the small group leader, who I didn't know at all, he just came from an apostolic, prophetic, charismatic church. That's what he's been teaching his small group all along, but they didn't have a paradigm for it. So my testimony confirmed everything he'd been teaching them. So their hearts were all open. Their light bulbs were going off. And then he honored me, asked me to prophesy over small group members over him. I got to release powerful words. The Holy Spirit was poured out. I didn't plan anything. I had no idea it was going to happen. It was all by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's usually how the powerful things will happen. It's not by you systematizing and trying to revive everyone. If you do that, actually, it's going to quench what's happening because it's all you, right? So God will move. He will pour out his spirit, but catch a hold of what he's doing. Um, Real quick about that story, Rona specifically got to the point of her testimony where she could, there's two routes. There's the PG version, and then there's the Holy Spirit, you know, pour down, and she always had to discern, which is a testimony that this person's ready to hear. You know, when we, sh- when we say share your testimony, you guys have to ask that question for yourselves as well. Should I include the, you know, rolling around on the floor? Or should I just kind of say, God touched me powerfully? You know, like you got to be able to edit and, you know, know who your audience is. And normally Rona would just go, Psh, I'm going to tell everybody anything in the past. And it led to a bunch of foolishness and confusion. But in this moment, she stopped at that turning point And she said, God, which one do I tell? And specifically, she felt the Holy Spirit leading her go all out. She, this is before she knew that the leader, small group leader, was already teaching them that. And so after that, she submitted to the Holy Spirit first. And then she went and she told, like, the whole story. And everyone was so ready to receive it. So God knows what he's doing. So she definitely was not doing out of own her tooting her own horn or her own agenda. She specifically made sure that she was walking, God, what are you doing? You know, which... Which way should I go? You know, which, what should I share? What should I not share? You guys should be always asking the Lord to lead you in that because it's going to be important. Yeah, this church was Southern Baptist, right? And if you know anything about that, this doesn't happen. But because the small group leader was already preparing them, it just fit. And God will orchestrate stuff like that that we could never figure out on our own. So just trust him. Uh, number three, do not get stuck on the glory of the last mountain. All right. Um, this comes from this, the Bible story of when um, Jesus took up 
two of his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, and God's spirit descends. God is speaking to Jesus. Moses and Elijah come, and this powerful experience, right? Also, Moses, um, he goes up to the mountain for the Ten Commandments. There's so many stories in the Bible where God leads his people up to the mountain, and they have this powerful experience. But often, we get so hung up on the last mountain that we're not looking forward to the one that's coming up. And so don't get stuck on the mountain of Korea and continually compare Continually look back because you're being led to one right now, but don't, um, you're going to miss out if you keep looking back. So A, God will bring you from glory to glory. Do not continually compare or look back at the mountaintop of Korea or you will miss the new glory. Students tell me about this all the time. They almost missed out on a crazy outpouring, a crazy revival, a crazy new pouring out of the spirit because they were looking for something exactly like Emmaus, exactly like New Philly. But God is always doing a new thing. If you stick around in New Philly long enough, you'll see that we don't look the same year after year. God's always adding something new to us. If you're going to another country, God's doing something there too. So be open to that. Um, B, God is a God of new things. He is always doing something new. Ask that God give you spiritual eyes to perceive what he's doing. And this comes from Isaiah 43:19. Um, this is my life verse. This is the verse that JSCM New Philly had for their theme verse in 2008. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and springs in the wasteland. So I was going back to desert uh, wasteland, but God was pouring out rivers of living water. And my first couple months in America, guys, Every day, I would be crying. I would be trying to text Haywan, my old familiar leader. I would be so sad, and I would be like, just send me back to Korea where people understand me, where I have friends, where, you know, God, I can interact with you. But all along, what is he doing? He's moving all over my, my roommate, Marie. He's opening doors for me to share at um, my sorority. He's leading me to a church. He's leading me to campus ministry. He led me to South Africa, Thailand, where I got to forgive and reconnect with my father since high school. Like, there was, he gave me uh, a calling to missions and the academic realm. There's so much that God was doing, but I was so hung up on Korea. Luckily, in my times with him, he kept saying, open your eyes. I'm moving all around you. Open your eyes. I'm moving all around you. It won't look the same, but he will move. So please be open and led by his spirit. Um, see, you are on your way to a greater glory to a new mountaintop experience, expect more than what you experienced in Korea. There is more, as Pastor Aaron shared earlier.